Chapter Twenty Four of She. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Red Abrus. She by H. Ryder Haggard. Walking the plank. Next day the mutes woke us before the dawn and by the time that we had got the sleep out of our eyes and gone through a prefunctory wash at a spring which still welled up into the remains of a marble basin in the centre of the north quadrangle of the vast outer court we found she standing by the litter ready to start while old bilali and the two bearer mutes were busy collecting the baggage as usual asha was wheeled like the marble truth by the way i wonder if she originally got the idea of covering up her beauty from that statue i noticed however that she seemed very depressed and had none of that proud and buoyant peering which would have betrayed her among a thousand women of the same stature even if they had been wheeled like herself she looked up as we came for her head was bowed and greeted us leo asked her how she had slept ill my calicrates she answered ill this night have strange and hideous dreams come creeping through my brain and i know not what they may portent almost do i feel as though some evil overshadowed me and yet how can evil touch me i wonder she went on with a sudden outbreak of womanly tenderness I wonder if should aught happen to me so that I slept a while and left thee waking, thou wouldst think gently of me? I wonder, my calicrates, if thou wouldst tarry till I came again, as for so many centuries I have tarried for thy coming? Then, without waiting for an answer, she went on, Come, let us be setting forth, for we have far to go, and before another day is born in yonder blue, should we stand in the place of life in five minutes we were once more on our way through the vast ruined city which loomed at us on either side in the grey dawning in a way that was at once grand and oppressive just as the first ray of the rising sun shot like a golden arrow athwart this storied desolation we gained the further gateway of the outer wall and having given one more glance at the hoar and pillared majesty through which we had journeyed and with exception of job for whom ruins had no charms breathed a sigh of regret that we had not had more time to explore it passed through the great moat and on to the plain beyond as the sun rose so did asha's spirits till by breakfast time they had regained their normal level and she laughingly set down her previous depression to associations of the spot where she had slept these barbarians swear that cor is haunted she said and of a truth i do believe their saying for never did i know so ill a night save one i remember it now it was on that very spot when thou didst lie dead at my feet calicrates never will i visit it again it is a place of evil omen after a very brief halt for breakfast we pressed on with such good will that by two o'clock in the afternoon we were at the foot of the vast wall of rock that formed the lip of the volcano 
and which at this point towered up precipitously above us for fifteen hundred or two thousand feet here we halted certainly not to my astonishment for i did not see how it was possible that we should go any farther now said asha as she descended from her litter doth our labor but commence for here do we part with these men and henceforward must we bear ourselves and then addressing bilali do thou and these slaves remain here and abide our coming by to-morrow at the midday shall we be with thee if not wait bilali bowed humbly and said that her august bidding should be obeyed if they stopped there till they grew old and this man o holy said she pointing to job best is it that he should tarry also for if his heart be not high and his courage great perchance some evil might overtake him also the secrets of the place whither we go are not fit for common eyes i translated this to job who instantly and earnestly entreated me almost with tears in his eyes not to leave him behind he said he was sure that he could see nothing worse than he had already seen and that he was terrified to death at the idea of being left alone with those dumb folk who he thought would probably take the opportunity to hot-pot him i translated what he said to asha who shrugged her shoulders and answered well let him come it is not to me on his own head be it and he will serve to bear the lamp and this and she pointed to a narrow plank some sixteen feet in length which had been bound above the long bearing pole of her hammock as i had thought to make curtains spread out better but as it now appeared for some unknown purpose connected with our extraordinary undertaking accordingly the plank which though tough was very light was given to job to carry and also one of the lamps i slung the other on to my back together with a spare jar of oil while leo loaded himself with the provisions and some water in a kid's skin when this was done she bade bilali and the six bearer mutes to retreat behind a grove of flowering magnolias about a hundred yards away and remain there under pain of death till we had vanished they bowed humbly and went and as he departed old bilali gave me a friendly shake of the hand and whispered that he had rather that it was i than he who was going on this wonderful expedition with she who must be obeyed and upon my word i felt inclined to agree with him in another minute they were gone and then having briefly asked us if we were ready asha turned and gazed up the towering cliff goodness me leo i said surely we are not going to climb that precipice leo shrugged his shoulders being in a condition of half fascinated half expectant mystification and as he did so asha with a sudden move began to climb the cliff and of course we had to follow her it was perfectly marvellous to see the ease and grace with which she sprang from rock to rock and swung herself along the ledges the ascent was not however so difficult as it seemed although there were one or two nasty places where it did not do to look behind you the fact being that the rock still sloped here and was not absolutely precipitous as it was higher up 
in this way we with no great labor mounted to the height of some fifty feet above our last standing place the only really troublesome thing to manage being job's board and in doing so drew some fifty or sixty paces to the left of our starting point for we went up like a crab sideways presently we reached a ledge narrow enough at first but which widened as we followed it and moreover sloped inwards like the petal of a flower so that as we followed it we gradually got into a kind of rut or fold of rock that grew deeper and deeper till at last it resembled a devonshire lane in stone and hid us perfectly from the gaze of anybody on the slope below if there had been anybody to gaze this lane which appeared to be a natural formation continued for some fifty or sixty paces and then suddenly ended in a cave also natural running at right angles to it i am sure it was a natural cave and not hollowed by the hand of man because of its irregular and contorted shape and course which gave it the appearance of having been blown bodily in the mountain by some frightful eruption of gas following the line of the least resistance all the caves hollowed by the ancients of kor on the contrary were cut out with the most perfect regularity and symmetry at the mouth of this cave asha halted and bade us light the two lamps which i did giving one to her and keeping the other myself then taking the lead she advanced down the cavern picking her way with great care as indeed it was necessary to do for the floor was most irregular strewn with boulders like the bed of a stream and in some places pitted with deep holes in which it would have been easy to break one's leg this cavern we pursued for twenty minutes or more it being so far as i could from a judgment owing to its numerous twists and turns no easy task about a quarter of a mile long at last however we halted at its farther end and whilst i was still trying to pierce the gloom a great gust of air came tearing down it and extinguished both the lamps asha called to us and we crept up to her for she was a little in front and were rewarded with a view that was positively appalling in its gloom and grandeur before us was a mighty chasm in the black rock jagged and torn and splintered through it in a far past age by some awful convulsion of nature as though it had been cleft by stroke upon stroke of the lightning this chasm which was bounded by a precipice on the hither and presumably though we could not see it on the farther side also may have measured any width across but from its darkness i do not think it can have been very broad it was impossible to make out much of its outline or how far it ran for the simple reason that the point where we were standing was so far from the upper surface of the cliff at least fifteen hundred or two thousand feet that only a very dim light struggled down to us from above the mouth of the cavern that we had been following gave on to a most curious and tremendous spur of rock which jutted out in the mid-air into the gulf before us for a distance of some fifty yards coming to a sharp point at its termination and resembling nothing that i can think of so much as the spur upon the leg of a cock in shape this huge spur was attached only to the parent precipice at its base which was of course 
enormous, just as the cock's spur is attached to its leg, otherwise it was utterly unsupported. Here must we pass, said Asha. Be careful, lest giddiness overcome you, or the wind sweep you into the gulf beneath, for of a truth it hath no bottom. And, without giving us any further time to get scared, she started walking along the spur, leaving us to follow her as best we might. I was next to her, then came Job, painfully dragging his plank, while Leo brought up the rear. It was a wonderful sight to see this intrepid woman gliding fearlessly along that dreadful place. For my part, when I had gone but a very few yards, what between the pressure of the air and the awful sense of the consequences that a slip would entail, I found it necessary to go down on my hands and knees and crawl, and so did the other two. But Asha never condescended to this. On she went, leaning her body against the gusts of wind, and never seeming to lose her head or her balance. In a few minutes we had crossed some twenty paces of this awful bridge, which got narrower at every step, and then all of a sudden a great gust came tearing along the gorge. I saw Asha lean herself against it, but the strong draught got under her dark cloak and tore it from her, and away it went down the wind flapping like a wounded bird. It was dreadful to see it go, till it was lost in the blackness. I clung to the saddle of rock and looked round, while, like a living thing, the great spur vibrated with a humming sound beneath us. The sight was a truly awesome one. There we were, poised in the gloom between earth and heaven. Beneath us were hundreds upon hundreds of feet of emptiness that gradually grew darker, till at last it was absolutely black, and at what depth it ended is more than I can guess. Above was space upon space of giddy air, and far, far away a line of blue sky. And down this vast gulf upon which we were pinnacled, the great draught dashed and roared, driving clouds and misty wreaths of vapor before it, till we were nearly blinded and utterly confused. The whole position was so tremendous and so absolutely unearthly that I believe it actually lulled our sense of terror, but to this hour I often see it in my dreams, and at its mere fantasy wake up covered with cold sweat. On, on, cried the white form before us, for now the cloak had gone, she was robed in white, and looked more like a spirit riding down the gale than a woman. On, or you will fall and be dashed to pieces. Keep your eyes fixed upon the ground, and closely hug the rock. We obeyed her, and crept painfully along the quivering path, against which the wind shrieked and wailed as it shook it, causing it to murmur like a vast tuning fork. On we went, I do not know for how long, only gazing round now and again, when it was absolutely necessary, until at last we saw that we were on the very tip of the spur, a slab of rock, little larger than an ordinary table, that throbbed and jumped like any over-engined steamer. There we lay, clinging to the ground, and looked about us, while Asha stood leaning out against the wind, down which her long hair streamed, and absolutely heedless of the hideous depth that yawned beneath pointed before her. Then we saw why the narrow plank had been provided, which Job and I had painfully dragged along between us. 
Before us was an empty space, on the other side of which was something, as yet we could not see what, for here, either owing the shadow of the opposite cliff, or from some other cause, the gloom was that of night. We must wait a while, called Asha. Soon there will be light. At the moment I could not imagine what she meant. How could more light than there was ever come to this dreadful spot? While I was still wondering, suddenly, like a great sword of flame, a beam from the setting sun pierced the Stygian gloom and smote upon the point of rock whereon we lay, illumining Asha's lovely form with an unearthly splendor. I only wish I could describe the wild and marvelous beauty of that sword of fire laid across the darkness and rushing mistreads of the gulf. How it got there I do not to this moment know but I presume that there was some cleft or hole in the opposing cliff through which it pierced when the setting orb was in a direct line therewith. All I can say is that the effect was the most wonderful that I ever saw. Right through the heart of the darkness that flaming sword was stabbed, and where it lay there was the most surpassingly vivid light, so vivid that even at a distance we could see the grain of the rock while outside of it, yes, within a few inches of its keen edge was not, but clustering shadows. And now, by this ray of light, for which she had been waiting, and timed our arrival to meet, knowing that at this season, for thousands of years, it had always struck thus at sunset, we saw what was before us. Within eleven or twelve feet of the very tip of the tongue-like rock whereon we stood, there arose, presumably from the far bottom of the gulf, a sugar-loaf-shaped cone, of which the summit was exactly opposite to us. But had there been a summit only, it would not have helped us much, for the nearest point of its circumference was some forty feet from where we were. On the lip of this summit, however, which was circular and hollow, rested a tremendous flat boulder, something like a glacier stone. Perhaps it was one, for all I know to the contrary. And the end of this boulder approached to within twelve feet or so of us. This huge rock was nothing more or less than a gigantic rocking stone, accurately balanced upon the edge of the cone or miniature crater, like a half-crown on the rim of a wine-glass. For in the fierce light that played upon it and us, we could see it oscillating in the gusts of wind. Quick, said Asha the plank we must cross while the light endures presently it will be gone oh lord sir groaned job surely she don't mean us to walk across that there place on that there thing as in obedience to my direction he pushed the long boat towards me that's it job i hallowed in ghastly merriment though the idea of walking the plank was no pleasanter to me than to him i pushed the board on to asha who deftly ran it across the gulf, so that one end of it rested on the rocking stone, the other remaining on the extremity of the trembling spur. Then placing her foot upon it to prevent it from being blown away, she turned to me. Since I was last here, O Holy, she called, the support of the moving stone hath lessened somewhat, so that I am not certain if it will bear our weight or no. Therefore will I cross the first, because no harm will come on to me. And without further ado, she trod lightly but firmly across the frail bridge, and in another second was standing safe upon the heaving stone. 
it is safe she called see hold thou the plank i will stand on the farthest side of the stone so that it may not overbalance with your greater weights now come o holy for presently the light will fail us i struggled to my knees and if ever i felt terrified in my life it was then and i am not ashamed to say that i hesitated and hung back surely thou art not afraid this strange creature called in a lull of the gale from where she stood poised like a bird on the highest point of the rocking stone make way then for calicrates this settled me it is better to fall down a precipice and die than be laughed at by such a woman so i clenched my teeth and in another instant i was on that horrible narrow bending plank with bottomless space beneath and around me i have always hated a great height but never before did i realize the full horrors of which such a position is capable oh the sickening sensation of that yielding board resting on the two moving supports i grew dizzy and thought that i must fall my spine crept and it seemed to me that i was falling and my delight at finding myself sprawling upon that stone which rose and fell beneath me like a boat in a swell cannot be expressed in words all i know is that briefly but earnestly enough i thanked providence for preserving me so far then came leo's turn and though he looked rather queer he came across like a rope dancer asha stretched out her hand to clasp his own and i heard her say bravely done my love bravely done the old greek spirit lives in thee yet and now only poor job remained on the farther side of the gulf he crept up to the plank and yelled out i can't do it sir i shall fall into that beastly place you must i remember saying with inappropriate facetiousness you must job tis as easy as catching flies i suppose that i must have said it to satisfy my conscience because although the expression conveys a wonderful idea of facility as a matter of fact i know no more difficult operation in the whole world than catching flies that is in warm weather unless indeed it is catching mosquitoes i can't sir i can't indeed let the man come or let him stop and perish there see the light is dying in a moment it will be gone said asha i looked she was right the sun was passing below the level of the hole or cleft in the precipice through which the ray reached up if you stop there job you will die alone i called the light is going come be a man job roared leo it's quite easy thus adjured the miserable job with a most awful yell precipitated himself face downwards on the plank he did not dare small blame to him to try to walk it and commence to draw himself across in little jerks his poor legs hanging down on either side into the nothingness beneath his violent jerks at the frail board made the great stone which was only balanced on a few inches of rock oscillate in a most dreadful manner and to make matters worse when he was half way across the flying ray of lurid light suddenly went out just as though a lamp had been extinguished in a curtained room leaving the whole howling wilderness of air black with darkness come on job for god's sake i shouted in an agony of fear while the stone gathering motion with every swing rocked so violently that it was difficult to hang on to it it was a truly awful position lord have mercy on me cried poor job from the darkness 
Oh, the plank slipping, and I heard a violent struggle, and thought that he was gone. But at that moment his outstretched hand, clasping in agony at the air, met my own, and I hauled. Ah, and how I did haul! putting out all the strength that it has pleased providence to give me in such abundance and to my joy in another minute job was gasping on the rock beside me but the plank i felt it slip and heard it knock against a projecting knob of rock and it was gone great heavens i exclaimed how are we going to get back i don't know answered leo out of the gloom sufficient to the day is the evil thereof I am thankful enough to be here, but Asha merely called to me to take her hand and creep after her. End of chapter 24 Recording by Red Abrus, January 2008